0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway, an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello, and welcome to Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway and sports meets show business. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, Tonight, we're going to welcome someone to the show who I consider to be one of the most respected players in the game here on Broadway. Uh, In many ways, he's much like a Reggie Jackson or a Catfish Hunter, who were key parts of multiple championship franchises throughout their Hall of Fame careers, as my guest tonight has been a leading player for so many Broadway casts that have gone on to take home the Tony Award for Best Musical. Uh, Whether it's on stage or even in screen, you know, you think back to Rent, uh, the Broadway productions of Aida, Memphis, Something Rotten, Chicago, or one of my personal favorites, Disaster on Broadway. We've talked about that a couple times here on Break a Bat. Um, My guest tonight now has a back of the baseball card that's up there with anyone's in the theater world, and his career now spans a miraculous 25 seasons. He's currently in the midst of an exciting career retrospective that's available on demand through August 24th, exclusively on Stellar titled Adam Pascal So Far. We're so grateful this Tony nominee can join us tonight. So with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to Home Plate, Just Beyond the Marquee now batting adam pascal adam welcome to break a bat
0: thank you al it's a pleasure to be here i love all this uh, bef- uh baseball uh, um uh, what do they call them euphemisms metaphors terminology comparisons <laughs> <laughs> i
1: had to do a big man i said you know i've I uh, talked i've talked about it on this podcast before like one of my favorite nights ever on broadway was going to see disaster with my buddy Chris Katzman, 2016. I'd followed your work through cast recordings for a while, but getting to see you do your thing live with that All Star cast—something I'll never forget, man. Oh,
0: Thank you. I, you know what? That that show is. You know, I was just talking to somebody before this, and they asked me like, if there was ever anything you could redo or do again, and I was, and that was the first thing that popped up. Just because I had so much fun doing that show, and it, of course it didn't run for very long. So uh, I, I always wish that that you know, I, I that could have ran for longer. I could have had. More of an experience with it. It was so much fun.
1: Oh, such a blast to look back on that one. It's funny. I think we went. It was like May seventh, like the night before Mother's Day, right before the last show. And um, you know, I, I'm thinking about your retrospective here, since it's going to be acoustic heavy. Do you think feelings might make its way into the set list, or maybe even Sky High if we want to get
0: aggressive? <laughs> no, it's actually without you is what made it into the, is what makes it into the show. Um, you know, of course, like when I'm in putting together this show, one of the one of the the, the biggest not obstacles but the biggest you know things to 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 consider are obviously what what is going to lend itself best to this version of of the song that i'm about to do which is a solo acoustic version i have some you know guitar effects and things but essentially it's a solo acoustic thing so it's you know it's it's really exciting for me because I get to express my creativity, um, by, you know, sort of rearranging these songs in a way that does suit that, you know, that style of performance. Um, and, uh, but, but the songs themselves aren't always necessarily, uh, um, songs uh, uh, from the characters in which I was in the show with. So like there's a couple of shows that I did uh, like a cabaret in Chicago. I can think of specifically um, where the songs that I play in my show uh, my solo acoustic show are not Billy Flynn or MC songs because I, I just couldn't for no other reason other than um, I couldn't figure out the right way to take a song from one of those characters and do what I did. But I was inspired by these other songs, these other characters' songs. There's a Sally Bowles song in there. And there's a, a Roxy song in there. And for whatever reason, those are the ones that spoke to me and that you know come across you know, in this acoustic version.
1: I was going to say, having done this for 25 years, I can only imagine how tough it was to narrow down. I know you've done quite a few shows over the years at 54 Below and everything. Yes. What do you think is going to get the crowd most excited? What do you think is like that fan favorite that we can all look forward to?
0: Well, of course, you know, I play one song, Glory. I couldn't, certainly could not, you know, uh, do a show like this without playing that song. Um, So that's always a crowd favorite. It's certainly not a surprise. I think the way that I play it is a little bit of a surprise. Um, but, uh, I think that, I think that what I have seen so far, uh, in reactions from the audiences is that they really get excited when I do these reinterpretations of songs and do something like a gender swap. Um, people seem to really like that. And so I, and, and, and I've got the, I've gotten the biggest response so far from, from that kind of stuff.
1: Good to know that I won't be the only person uh, that's enjoying driving around and singing. You know, the name on everybody's lips is gonna be Roxy. I don't know if that's the Roxy song that you chose to cover.
0: It's not. I cover. Um. Uh. I cover. Um. Funny Honey. Uh. And so I think everyone. Again, it's not just a Roxy song. Everyone's always surprised that it's that song. But then when you hear it, it's like, oh wow, I see why you've covered it.
1: <laughs> no, Adam. Having done this for as long as you have, what was it about? this present moment that made you want to put together this retrospective?
0: Well, um, it certainly took 25 years to accumulate enough shows on Broadway that I would have a, a long enough, you know, uh, hour long's worth of material. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I actually was doing it before the lockdown happened, and it just seemed like a, a, a really... A uh, good idea, a good project that would lend itself to the, the constraints in which we were all under during this, you know, the strictest parts of these, of this lockdown. So, uh, you know, because it's just me and my guitar, uh, singing and telling stories, it was something that I was able to do in my bedroom when I was living in Las Vegas. And I just set up some, you know, ca- some cameras and shot it, you know, and over the course of a few days. And, um, and, and what I did was I had, um, And again, things just worked out. Everything was like it's the timing was right for everything in that. um, So when I do this show live, I talk to the audience, you know, and I, the stories that I tell and, you know, however, whatever I'm communicating, I'm talking to an audience that's there, you know, and there's an energy there and there's a, a give and take. I mean, they're not responding obviously audibly with words, but, you know, like you hear people respond and laugh and whatever it is that to me, uh, I wanted to capture some element of that, um. While, uh, you, you, but, and I didn't think that talking to the camera was going to achieve that. So as luck would have it, a buddy of mine, Jared Emick, Tony winner, Jared Emick, uh, lives in Las Vegas, um, with his family and we hung out all the time. And I said, Hey, why don't you come over and we'll have a couple, couple of beers and you can interview me. I'll set up the cameras, interview me, uh, and then we'll intercut that with the songs and it, it worked out perfectly. It ended up being exactly what it needed to be, you know?
1: Now, Adam, you touch on some of the stories that go along with your career, and there's certainly a lot of them for the folks at home who may not be aware of this um, Do you touch on the Jonathan Larson stuff in the show
0: i don't I don't talk about jonathan i i think i I certainly mention his name in 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 a story, but it's not relevant to this show in the in 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 the way that I talk about this show and the things that I'm talking about um Jonathan personally is not a a major part of, of my story in, in the sense of my personal relationship with him is not a major part of the story. You know, uh, Jonathan, I only knew Jonathan for about four weeks. You know, people don't, it doesn't, they don't really think about it logically, but that's the truth. You know, I was cast in mid December uh, in the show. We started rehearsals. Uh, and Jonathan died January 18th, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it was a very short amount of time that I knew him. So, um, so no, his, but look, but his presence is, his presence is felt through the entire evening. Do you know what I mean? So I may not talk about him specifically, but you know, his presence is always there. His presence is always with me in my life. His presence, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's such a major part. It clearly launched my career, but continues to be a a major part of my career in in, in many ways, you know, And, and I'm so grateful for that.
1: You touch on launching your career. Um, one baseball parallel that comes to mind when I think of you, Adam, is uh, you know, there's a lot of ball players that experience big shifts in their outlooks towards the game between when they started playing and the different chapters in their career that follow. Uh, you were a kid who originally wanted to be a rock star rather than a Broadway star, almost like a little leaguer who's always on the pitcher's mound, but realizes their best chance to make it comes through what they can do with their bat or their glove at a more specialized position, let's say. Right. Was was there a certain show or turning point where you decided to just embrace this gift that you have as a musical theater actor?
0: Oh yes, totally. It was cabaret. Uh, It was doing cabaret. So cabaret came after Aida and I knew that if I did like another rock musical, I would forever only be known as that. You know what I mean? I knew I needed to do something that was going to show me in a different light. Um, and I knew that I needed to do something that was going to show uh, that I could do a lot more than people uh, had ever seen me do before. Um, so, uh, so. Uh, so that that role was that, and I begged them for years to, to, to do that part. Uh, I wanted to do it so badly, uh, and then when they finally offered it to me, I was like, "Okay, now I know." Uh, now, okay, now you got what you wish for. You know what are you going to do with it? Um, and so, so, the, so. Um, additionally, what it did for me personally as a as an actor, it instilled in me a a a. Uh, a respect and a and a, a, a for the for the craft of of acting in a, in in a way that I didn't have before you know and it also really emboldened my self-confidence uh and 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 opened me up to the concept that there was a lot maybe that I could do that I didn't know I could do until I tried, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, uh, but, but not, not that it would come so easy, but that I would need to work at things, you know what I mean? And that, that hard work could pay off. And when it did, it set me permanently on this path because now I knew that, there were so many more things that were open to me and and the possibilities were almost endless, you know? Um, and I was excited by that idea. And also it allowed me to kind of let go of that rock star thing a little bit and really embrace this path that I was on and let go of that, which was never the path I should have been on in the first place. Although <laughs> some would say I wouldn't have gotten to this path without that one, you know? Um, but, um, but so, yeah, so it was definitely cabaret that, that, sort of really solidified my career
1: now adam your voice has become iconic and i know for a fact that you've had record producers coming at you from all different angles over the years and you've put out a lot of great solo work is it tough to resist that temptation however even though because that's what you wanted to do for so long um do you ever feel like you know what let me just take some time off from the stage at least on broadway to try to make this music thing work it's like a prolonged thing and this could be my real next chapter
0: i did when i was younger but but certainly not now i mean i'm 50 who the fuck wants some 50 year old unknown rock star like you know like it's not gonna happen um and i'm okay with that you know what i mean i realized like like a while ago that like that's, you know, I've got this wonderful career. And look, that's not what my audience wants. They don't want original music from me. Not that they don't appreciate it and, and like it, but it's just not really what they want. And that's okay. You know, in a way it takes the pressure off me. I don't have to like sit there and make my living writing songs. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to do that, quite frankly. I don't want that to be my living. Um, and so, so I'm, uh, but I will say that, you know, I do have moments, you know, if I'm watching you know, live concert stuff on YouTube, which I do a lot of, you know, if I'm, and, and, you know, I, I can't not watch like a live performance by you two and not have those, those, those star fantasies well up in me again, you know what I mean? And not go, Oh my God, Standing in a stadium with eighty thousand people in the palm of your hand, listening to something that you created, something you wrote, words that you wrote, and they're singing them back to you, and 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 they're echoing to the heavens. You know what I mean? And like that's magical to me. Like to 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 experience that. Sure, I still have that longing, but but I but I it's not something that like I I I think there's ever any way it would happen so that I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pursue it. You know what I mean? It's just like you know, um, it's that it's just like you know, again, it's like still you know the childhood dream of whatever it is. You know what I mean? That you've let go of and you're okay with, but every once in a while something will come up and it'll sort of just sort of ignite it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, you've been in some of the most mega house shows of all time. I talked about like championship teams that you've been a part of. I mean, just when you think about the shows that you've originated roles in, um, it's pretty, it's an it's amazing body of work. I I mean, I is certainly a favorite of mine, at least from the cast recordings. Um, is there a level of celebrity that you feel when you walk in the streets of New York having accomplished <laughs> what did, what you've done? I know it's not necessarily, you know, MetLife Stadium playing out to 80,000 every night, but I mean, nonetheless, you got to you got to feel really good about what you've done. And I that's why I thought this retrospective was really well timed. It's like this is a time you. to celebrate your work. You're still here, you're still in your prime. You feel well, like a rock
0: star? Uh, well, it, it, um as I'm doing all these interviews and people are putting it that way I sort of I'm like yeah you know what the time I never sort of connected all these different pieces I was just like let me put this concert out and you know what I mean and, like, and see what happens and see if people like it and, but I never sort of connected this the symbolism of the, and the timing that everything was happening in this 25 years and like um, but um, look if I'm a rock star anyway anywhere it's within the 10 block radius of, of 42nd Street you know what I mean so yes yeah, so if I'm walking around that neighborhood I will occasionally get recognized but no you know look I always, I, I did experience that you know what I mean in when when rent exploded we were rock stars you know what I mean and I was a rock star and I so I know what it feels like I know what it feels like to get rock star attention I know what it feels like to walk down the street and be recognized and have people run up to you you know asking for autographs and pictures and chase you down the street and have your face on taxicabs and and subways and so I, I, I tasted all that I, I so I, I've experienced it you know um, and I'm really glad that my life life is not that you know what i mean that uh, that i was able to experience that and now not have that I could, I could i that would make me so unhappy to have a life like that that was like that all the time you know what i mean to be famous to the degree where you know you, where you get that kind of thing all the time i think i don't know I, I i would not be happy i would feel very isolated you know
1: did a lot change also after you shot the movie
0: not really, because the movie really wasn't some big smash hit. You know what I mean. So it's not like all of a sudden I was a movie star. I was, you know, it was just like more rent stuff. And, but, um, but, but what was amazing about the movie is that um, it, it 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 closely, extremely closely parallels the experience that I had as a kid with Hair, the film version of Hair, which is that. So I was, uh, you know, um, I was 11 or 12 when Hair came out and, and I, it, it affected me like nothing had up until that point. Like I, I couldn't get it. I, I was just obsessed with that movie. I still am. It's brilliant. Um, and, and I had never seen the stage production. I'd, I'd only ever seen the movie. To this day, I have only ever seen the movie. I've never seen a stage production of Hair. Um, but again, like I said, it affected me so viscerally. And, you know, um, and so I meet many people uh, who only have seen the Rent movie and have never seen Rent on stage and have had the same reaction to the Rent movie that I did to Hair. And again, closely paralleling sort of the similar success, successes, you know, Hair didn't do particularly well at the box office. It was received you know, sort of in a mediocre way by the by the critics, some liked it, some hated it, some fans, some liked it, some hated it like again, same thing with the red movie. Um, but the people that loved it loved it, you know what I mean and uh, and and again, same thing with the red movie. And so uh, I'm, I, I, I'm just I'm so um, humbled by that fact that 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 uh, that I've now become part of this thing that affects people in the same way that that affected me, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was in high school when that movie came out, and it, I think I was five years old when it premiered on Broadway. So I never had the opportunity to see it on stage. However, seeing it brought to life on on screen the way it did, with essentially the same cast right. as the original Broadway production, it was surreal for me in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, and I think now it's it's you know we live in crazy times. I think that that entire cast holds a really special place in the hearts of Broadway fans because it takes them back to not only a simpler time, but I think in many ways, the, the Renaissance of Broadway, you know, in the mid nineties, um, when yeah, you were I, a kid in love, yeah. go ahead.
0: No, no, I was going to say, I agree. In many ways, it was a Renaissance because if you, if you look at all of the shows that have come after, um, you can clearly pick out the, 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 the Rent influence, the, I should say, the Jonathan Larson influence on just about every famous, successful composer that has come after him. You know, if you look at Lynn's work, if you look at um, uh, Tom Kidd, if you look at Pasek and Paul, if you look at, you know, you can even connect, um, uh, you know, Spring Awakening and Once and all of the, like, there's, a, there, you know, some some you can hear it clearer than others, but, like, you know, th- there's, th- there's just his, his work affected all of these composers to come after.
1: Yeah, no, that, that very well said. Um, I have to know being a Long Island kid, I'm a Long Island kid too. You were Syosset guy originally?
0: Uh, Yep. I'm on, I'm in Huntington right now. That's where I'm talking to you from.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. Nice. I'm a Manasseh guy originally. (laughs) Um, were you catching a lot of shows uh, as a kid?
0: No, I wasn't. I didn't see, I, I think I saw two musicals as a kid. I think I saw Les Mis when I was a teenager. And I think I saw Annie at some point in the late seventies, but who I don't even remember. I think I saw it, you know, so like I, I uh, so no, I didn't see shows at all.
1: Cause I was going to mention, you know, you talk about the influence of Jonathan Larson on, and you know, some of the stuff that Lin-Manuel done, of course, I think Broadway is just so much cooler now than when you and I grew up, you know, just, yes. I mean, over the oh, past yeah. like 20 years or so, it's just, it's considerably different for kids on Long Island to want to get on that train, not yes. being forced to go see something with their parents. Exactly. Um, just because of, because I, I think that you're a huge part of, of what's paved the way for that though, is what I'm getting at. So it's well, just so I, different.
0: I, I think it was, um, it became very clear that the that the way to move forward in, in the world of musical theater was to start embracing Younger composers who 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 spoke with a more modern sounding uh, musical vocabulary, you know what I mean, and so and also embracing, uh, you know, some of the the famous you know pop and rock composers that had a, a knack and an ear f- for writing for theater, you know. So it, the combination of all that, you know, and look, and ultimately, the only thing that makes it go is 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 commerce. So the fact that those things were um, those risks were taken and then a good number of them paid off only made more risks, you know, uh, able to be taken. And, you know, um, and so uh, and and it's really the only way to move forward. You know what I mean? You have to start attracting younger audiences to broaden your appeal. And the and the way to do that is to speak to them in a language they understand. You know what I mean? Not not Rogers and Hammerstein. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not the language that most kids from Long Island speak. You know what I mean? So speak to them in a language that they speak it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree with you more. Um, On the sports front, Adam, I have to know, I know that uh, you're only a quick train ride away from Shea Stadium back in the day, not far from Yankee Stadium. Were you a big sports guy growing up? No, I, I hate to
0: disappoint you and your fans, but uh, I, I'm not a sports guy at all. No, no, not at all. You know what? I suck at sports, and maybe that's why I don't like sports. Um, but uh, but no, I was I was the last kid picked. I was the you know the kid that I couldn't hit, I couldn't throw, I couldn't run. I, I have very limited skill set, and every <laughs> that's why I do what I do. Um, so uh, so no, I, I'm not really a sports guy.
1: That's all right. Listen, I'm glad that you found a passion for something else because it certainly worked out well for all your fans. Um, I will say, though, I I certainly have been to
0: games. I've been to Yankee games, Met games, Jet games, and Giant games. I mean, you can't, you kind of can't not have, at least have gone once, you know? And so, and when I say I'm not into sports, like, I don't follow any teams, but, like, I'll sit down and watch a football game, like, or, like, I I won't run out of the room or, like, change the channel, like, if (laughs) somebody has a game on. Like, I can sit down and watch it, you know?
1: I thought I had seen you in a New York Giants hat. That's why I went out in a whim and guessed that you know you. Grew I'm sure up you with did. I, I
0: did. I do have a Giants hat. I was I was actually when I was on tour with Something Rotten and I was in Greenville, South Carolina, and there was a vintage baseball hat store, and I found this like vintage New York Giants hat, and so I bought it because I actually for a moment when I was 16 for like a year. Six, no, I was older than 16. Whatever, so I was a teenager, and the, the Giants were like dominating. I really got into the Giants like for that season. So, uh, so there was a, there was a minute there where I really did sort of go with it. So it might've been when
1: you were 16, because I think that's the year that the Giants won the Super Bowl and the Mets won the world series, both in 1986.
0: I remember the guys on the team. It was like Lawrence Taylor and Mark Bavaro and, um, who the hell was the, 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 um, the the quarterback. God, I can't even remember. I can't remember. Oh, Phil Simms. I think it was Phil Sims Exactly. Like it was that era and they were amazing. They they dominated. They were so good, you know? Um, so I was into it
1: though. I'm very happy to hear that. Uh, you have some fond memories of that. And Adam, I uh, like to do a little game on this podcast. It's sure. a chance for the audience to get to know a little bit more about you. Don't worry. It's not like trivia or anything like that. It's just, no uh, I want you to picture yourself in a batter's box here. It's like the ninth inning. Aroldis Chapman is on the mound throwing 105 miles an hour, fastest throwing man ever. You got to think quick. Basically, I'm going to ask you a question. You tell me what comes to mind. And since you're such a great storyteller, if you want to throw some of those in there as well, I'm sure the audience would absolutely love to hear them. How does that sound?
0: That sounds great. But the first thing I want to say before you start is the last time I was actually anywhere near a baseball bat, I went to a batting cage at Chelsea Piers with Jesse Martin. and It was probably 1996. And we were swinging at softballs, and we swung for a swung for a half an hour, and I missed every single pitch. They kept slowing the, the machine down until literally it was like being lobbed at me so slowly. I honestly, I missed every single one of them. That's the only reason why I tell the story. If I hit one, it wouldn't be a good story. The fact that I literally missed every one for a half an hour—I probably swung 150 times. I missed every. <laughs>
1: Adam, do you want me to make a pitching change to see if I can get anyone else in here to answer the (laughs) questions? I don't want you to swing
0: and miss on all of them. (laughs) I'll just step into it and let him hit me with the pitch and walk to first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Deal. That's a good way to help your on-base percentage. But uh, you've certainly put up good stats in your career, but now it's about to get tough. It's time for Fastball Derby. Let's see how you do, Adam. Favorite Long Island meal. Long Island what? Long Island meal. Uh, Bagels and tuna fish. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, where's your go-to bagel spot uh bagel boston south oh that's a good one my spots i don't know if you've been to let there be bagels in port washington wonderful uh- staff too far Great. from me. So, no, no, too far? No. You okay, know what? The, okay. the, greatest,
0: the greatest thing about Long Island is you can throw a rock and hit an awesome bagel store. And you can throw a rock and hit an awesome pizza place. So, like, I, I don't need to go to your awesome bagel place. <laughs> so I go to mine and around the corner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Damn, now I want a uh, bagel with lox and cream yeah. cheese and capers, onions, all that stuff. Great. Good. Okay. Thanks for making me hungry. Um, all right. You're a big music guy. Yeah. Who's America's band? Is it the Beach Boys or the Eagles? The Eagles
0: eagles yeah i mean yeah it's that to me that's a no-brainer
1: do you see yourself as more of like a don henley a glenn fry joe walsh who do you see yourself as in like that rock star universe
0: well uh that's a good question because they're all so good and so talented i don't know i mean god um i'll tell you who i'd I'd like to be is joe walsh because he's such a badass guitar player and 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 I'm not, <laughs> so that's what I'd like to be. But yeah, no, and, and, they're, and all of them and their solo music is so good. I would say maybe Don Henley. I'd have to go with Don Henley because I do love, if I had to say one of their solo careers, like I would have to go with Don Henley. Toughest
1: role that you had to get into? Um,
0: the MC. Yeah, Cabaret. Yeah, Wow. definitely. How about this
1: favorite baseball game or sporting event you've ever been to?
0: Um, again, it's it's not a great question for me, unfortunately, <laughs> given what I have told you previously. Um, uh, I, okay, well, it's not a sporting event, but it took place in a sporting arena. Uh, I saw you two at Yankee Stadium. It was the last show at the old Yankee Stadium, oh, and man. I was. Tenth row, and it was the Zoo TV tour, and I was on LSD. Oh there's, my! There's God. my story.
1: <laughs> Wait, what does Yankee Stadium look like when you're on acid?
0: Uh, I don't, it, you know what? The whole the, it was the, one of the most magical experiences I ever had. And again, it's like Bono with the with the world in his hand. You know, what I mean, it was literally like it was it was unbelievable because I was also because I was tenth row. So I remember I kept looking around and seeing what he saw. You know what I mean? Cause I like seeing the entire stadium filled with people. Um, it was just, it was a, just an un, unreal experience, you know, it really was. And so, and the thing about a U2 show, it's not like, you know, um, it's not like going to a Slipknot show, <laughs> you know, it's it, like the crowd is just like love and hugs and friends and singing and dancing. And, you know, like, I mean, it's so. <laughs> you ever take drugs before you go on stage? No, God, no, 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 no. I am a pot smoker and you know what? Luckily, I can't perform when I'm high. Um it 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 messes with my voice. I probably and also I get way too paranoid and I and I have a hard enough time to remember my lines to begin with. Um but but it really does come down to the fact that uh I can't sing. It shuts down my voice. Interesting. Yeah.
1: What's your favorite song that you've gotten to perform on Broadway? I know this is like ranking your children, but I'm curious. Here, the answer.
0: Um, oh God, that's a really hard one. I, I, I don't know if I have an answer for that because uh, you know there's just been so many great ones in every show that I've been in, and they're so different. You know, so I, I I couldn't I couldn't say one particular song if I had to pick one. So I'll just expand on the question and just say the, the, the one song that that, that I we'll never forget singing was, um, I got to perform. Uh, and again, I keep taking it back to rock stars. Um, I got to perform. We are the champions with Brian may playing guitar at Royal Albert hall, sold out Royal Albert hall orchestra behind us, me and Brian may singing that song. I mean, there's no, there's no greater memory for me, you know, career wise.
1: So would you say that's the proudest moment of your career? Cause that's usually a fastball derby question as well. Is that the proudest moment? I don't know about the
0: proudest moment, but it's definitely, um, it, 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 you know, it was, um, it was a dream come true. Uh, it, it was literally, it was like, you know, if I had to pick one moment of like in my career, like of of a dream come true, that was it, you know? Because everything else has been a surprise. You know, that was something when I was younger that I envisioned and dreamed of. And, oh, my God, if I ever play with Brian May? I, and I want to be the singer of Queen. And, like, you know, these were fantasies that I actually had. So to actually have that happen, you know.
1: Now, you mentioned surprises. What is the fact about Adam Pascal that would
0: surprise people the most? That I'm so funny. That's not a surprise. You're pretty good (laughs) at saying, come on. But nobody knows me. You know what the biggest surprise is? That I'm a Jew. That's the biggest surprise. That's the thing that gets people the most. They go, you are?
1: Well, here's the thing. So I'm Italian. My last name is Malafrante. Your last name, Pascal... Maybe, but the first name Adam is like kind of. That's I
0: can I can identify as I just think people look at me and they they just don't think Jew. You know what I mean? I think once they hear me open my mouth, that's all they think. But before but before that happened, they don't think <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> well, they see your oh, so you're saying they see your name in <laughs> a playbill and they just they they don't think about it.
0: Right or, or like just maybe the energy <laughs> I give off on stage or whatever. I you know I I I often have people saying like oh I thought you were like a California guy or like a Midwestern you know you know corn husk bible belt guy what where the fuck would you get that from
1: <laughs> <laughs> now i have to ask this one just because it's a personal favorite of mine uh what is your favorite memory from performing in disaster on broadway
0: Well, it's not one memory. It's a memory that happened every single night, which was I loved that show so much that I was never in my dressing room. So when I was not on stage, I was in the wings watching the show with the audience. And I did that every single night. And I laughed at the same spots every single night. Because... Our, our performances, although they were set, like we would all do different things. We would try and make each other laugh. Like we were like, it was just so much fun. So I didn't want to miss anything because I never knew what was going to happen. If so, like, <laughs> Roger was going to do something crazy or like Faith was going to do something crazy. And so I, was, I would watch every single night. And that's, a, I've certainly never done that in any other show I've ever been in.
1: You know what? I'm surprised because that was reviewed well
0: by critics.
1: Pretty well. Do yeah. You have, I think so. Do you have any rationale as to why the
0: hell that thing closed? Well, the Niederlander is like a dead zone. So that, that's part of it. The Niederlander just has bad luck. So it's, it's, it's just not a great theater to be in. Um, ironically enough, given that that's where Rent was. But, but, you know, um, so I do think that I, that, and I think that there was, there was poor marketing, poor PR, you know what I mean? I think uh, the timing was for whatever reason, not great. Um, but I do think it, a lot of it had to do with the way that the show was marketed. Like a lot of people didn't know what it was. A lot of people didn't know it was a comedy. A lot of, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people, did, like, it, it just, it wasn't marketed properly. And I think that that, that had a big negative impact.
1: Most embarrassing onstage moment.
0: Um. Well, I've I've fallen down in almost every production I've ever been in. You know what I mean? At, at one point or another, I've fallen on my ass. Um, Does that
1: embarrass you, though, if it keeps happening? That, you don't think people are just used to it?
0: Yeah, I, suppose, I suppose it depends on the context in which it happens. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, there have certainly been times where it was kind of funny and other times where it was really embarrassing. Um, uh, but, you know, like i can't think of one again forgetting lines also has happened to me in probably every show i've ever done uh and I, i'll rephrase every production not every actual show <laughs> um and so uh you know and so it's, it's always things like that you know um uh getting getting get you know getting stuck with 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 um with automation things that don't work you know what i mean and like getting in, in, in being in a scene where something has to happen and it revolves around automation and then the automation doesn't work and then you're just standing there waiting for something to happen like you know that used to happen in, in aida all the time so like at the end of aida where that like the docks would come out right and and we would have like this sword fight on the docks and um uh and merib gets killed and then aida has to get whisked away in this little boat well so many times that little boat that's supposed to whisk her away wouldn't move. So like he comes out on the little boat and he pulls up next to the dock and I don't know what would happen, but she would get in the boat and I would take the sword and cut the rope and go, I "Go!" And like they would just sit there pressing the button and the thing wouldn't move. And then I'd have to get out of the boat and walk off stage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to gain my composure that is
0: awesome. <laughs> This Tony-winning production, I never yeah, would have right. guessed. Disney, <laughs> millions of dollars, and then they like, literally, the stagehand comes out and drags the fucking thing off. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man that is that is good let me uh, let me compose myself here because wow that is the definition of a little known fact folks wow okay um all right getting back on track here um so you mentioned before you know getting to play royal albert hall and everything but uh that wasn't the proudest moment of your career so what is
0: um the proudest moment of my career uh hmm
1: Aside from right now, I mean, yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> well, in a way, it's funny you say, well, right now in the broader sense that I'm here 25 years later and that I've had this great career. I mean, like in a way, this is my proudest moment that I'm still here and that I've maintained a career in this business, in show business, this this horrible business, you know, uh, and and that I, and I didn't give up all of those times that I really wanted to or maybe at times maybe needed to, you know uh so so yeah it's but my proudest moment is that i can sit here and talk to you about that uh and still be here
1: were there times where you were really close
0: yeah oh yeah absolutely you know you go through lulls in your career where it literally becomes a, a question of i can't pay my mortgage what i, I what am i going to do you know like and 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 that happens at various levels of this business. You know what I mean? Like people certainly. I can't tell how many times people people just they have misconceptions about the way things work and the way that this business is. And you know, people are always telling me like like or asking me, oh, "You must have so many offers, and, and people are knocking down your door to give you jobs." I'm like, no, that is like the exact opposite of the truth. The truth is, like, I'm dying to get a job. I'm hustling like everybody else. I'm doing everything that I can to try and work and support a family and you know, what? sometimes those periods in which you go through, you know, in which you go between jobs are really long, you know, and and you get to a place where it's just like you think you're never going to work again. Uh, so I've definitely had times I've I've been to career counselors. You know what I mean? Like I've been to like someone help me figure out something else to do. You know, they never could, but, but, <laughs> but, but I, 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 did try. Had I gone to a, a, a wiser career counselor and maybe they came up with something, I might not be talking to you right now. I might be, you know, <laughs> under somebody's sink installing their, uh, their new hardware. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad you chose the ones that you did because I'm certainly Me glad too. you've sucked it out. It's worked out really well. And, you know, I'm such a huge fan of yours and Thank I'm you. sure a lot of folks in the audience, Adam, oh, you're welcome. Um, I'm sure a lot of folks in the audience would love to know, uh, and this is what we used to wrap every fastball derby. What's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you?
0: I'm sorry. I'm so unspecific with these answers. Um, um, I haven't had a lot of people give me advice in my life, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know why that is. I didn't have parents whose advice carried any weight with me um and uh and and i can tell you that i can think of people who have given me lots of various different advice and uh, Tom Schumacher is somebody that comes to mind. Who is the head of Disney Theatricals, who's been an incredible friend and, in many ways, mentor to me. I hate to use that word because it's not accurate. He's just been he has been an incredible friend and somebody that I've looked up to and that have gone to over the years uh, with questions and gone to for advice about navigating this business because he's probably the smartest guy I know. Uh, certainly when it comes to the world of musical theater and Broadway and business and the business of Broadway and the business of show business. Um, And, uh, and he's incredibly kind and insightful. And so um, it's not, you know, it's not one thing he's ever told me. It's many things that he's told me and I feel so grateful that he's somebody that's been in my life all these years.
1: Yeah. Adam, I mean uh, this was a tremendous honor for a lifelong broadway fan i am um, so excited to catch your show on Seller. for the folks at home who may want more information about how they can watch where they can where can they go to find out more
0: uh they can go to my instagram page and they can go to my facebook page it, it, i actually posted something today all, it's there the link to my tickets is there it's all there
1: and we will definitely link your uh social handles and everything adam and Break. man thank you for being so honest sure. and freaking hilarious
0: man this <laughs> <Thank> was absolutely <laughs> epic thank you it's my pleasure anytime
1: well i appreciate it and i appreciate all the folks listening at home to break a bat be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast this is al Malafrante signing off from the broadway podcast network we'll see you next time thanks for listening to break a bat This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time.